Sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales development industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10-bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry with our host, noted futurist, author, and sales development practitioner, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. Tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and turn on notifications to never miss an episode. And now, Beyond Sales Development with your host, Justin Michael. Hey, Mary Lou, Justin Michael from Beyond Sales Development. I feel like William Shatner. How are you today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing very well, thank you. Awesome. Well, let's get right into it. I'm really curious what you think of the future of sales development. As someone involved in predictable revenue and predictable prospecting, you've been a thought leader in this category since the category began. So what are the insights that you're seeing and, and what is the future? Well, there's so many tools, as you know, out there now that it's it's getting a little confusing. The landscape is filled with tools that help you understand the psyche of a prospect, tools that help you track the progress of your sale, tools that help you language to the prospect, depending on their role in the company, tools that help you enable what to say, when to say it, how to say it, at what point to say it. So there's a lot of tools that will mechanize the progress or advancement into the pipeline, but still not there 100% yet is the sales conversation itself and how that's built, how that's leveraged, how that's amplified, and ultimately how you can monetize that by scaling that conversation over either a variety of prospects or scale it based on where you are vertically in the, in the markets that you're going after. So I think that if anything, it's getting more personal. If anything, it's we expect sales executives or prospectors to know where we're at in our head in terms of in the sales cycle, maybe not in our head, but definitely where we are along the buying journey. And I think the, the successful salespeople will still focus on the tools that have worked back in the dark ages when I started till in the future. I love that answer because it's sort of what's old is new and what's modern is classic. Yeah. There's almost too much of a focus on tools. But when you look at that statistic of $5 billion being poured into sales engagement platforms, I'd love to talk about the tooling. Rather than looking at the existing tools, you're something, someone who's helped crack process improvement. You've taken a process orientation. Can you talk about that orientation and what the tools, like let's ask the space to build things for you versus try to mold the tools. Like what could entrepreneurs listening to this build that would help you execute better? (laughs) I just had this enlightening conversation, more bitchy from my end, but, (laughs) but enlightening in terms of what a good tool is and Man, if I could have a good follow-up tool, a good follow-up tool that leverages deep learning, you know, artificial intelligence going into deep learning so that it's suggesting the path of how to have that next conversation based on 
a almost a data warehouse of previous conversations, if you will. So getting the data mart environment built into all this and then using deep learning. I say deep learning because I don't like the term artificial intelligence anymore. I'd rather it be that next level of deep learning because that's going to allow and give us more data points and more reasons why, as well as more options so that we can have the very specific and telling and meaningful conversation on that next conversation we have. So a follow-up tool, I don't believe any of the vendors out there do a good job now. And again, I am a software programmer. I grew up in a computer science world. I was going to be designing flight simulation software for McDonnell Douglas. I, I took a right and went to Xerox instead. But I have been in the nuts and bolts of operating system design. And I tell you, when I look at these software systems that are out there for follow-up, they are just not making me happy. So I would say if someone could design a follow-up system that takes into into account the sales conversation first and then leverages the types of channels you have that conversation on, what are those language snippets or use of words and language or themes that are going to accelerate the getting to close part, are going to accelerate and advance people from that initial and even pre-conversation to the opportunity and beyond. Let's start leveraging all those data points and get some even qualitative analysis into it so that we can leverage that to increase our conversion rates, reduce our cycle times, and get multiplied results from the same amount of work that we're doing as prospectors. I love that. And it's so interesting that you have an engineering background and Mark Roberge from HubSpot has an engineering background. It's interesting coming from qualitative analysis or quantitative analysis and some of the things that go into computer science. I'm curious, what do you take from a computer science or engineering background toward these systems that's unique? Like, how has it inspired you? Because I know there's technical listeners out there who want to get into selling there's also a prediction that sellers will need to get more technical. So that's sort of three questions in, in one, which I'm finding to be <laughs> yeah. a hallmark of, of these episodes. But whatever piece of that you want to speak to would be awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, let me start by saying as a computer science programmer, the cardinal rule for us is that if you do anything more than once, chances are it can be programmed. So if we look at that and we overlay that with salespeople who love to say everything's unique, my clients are unique, the process is unique, I bet we can carve out a pathway through there that with analysis is happening greater than 70% of the time. So let's take those pieces and create frameworks and methods and systems that we can teach, whether you're a skilled sales executive or whether you're fresh out of college, or you decided I am no longer going to be an accountant, I'm going to be a salesperson now. Because I think what we do is we leverage data, we put our ego in our pocket, and we look at the data and let the data help us understand at least the baseline. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys, you're, you know, there's outliers in everything, I get that. But there's also that bell curve of the middle, and a lot of people fall into the middle, and that's where the leveraging of technology and looking at data to help you make informed decisions really stands up strong, in my opinion. So that was that's one area that where we can, we automate. But when we automate, we want to leverage technology 
in the olden days, the merge purging of taking data elements from our database and using those in the actual conversation itself. That'll allow us to have what happened previously, what's happening now, what the next steps are. And then you have these beautiful decision rule databases that allow you to take multiple paths. It'll compute the path for you ahead of time so that you're not sitting there like I used to do with foam board all over my office, mapping out the questions I should ask, the potential routes that the the answer could take, and then what happens next. This can be all done in software. It is designed to crunch large volumes of data, whether it's text data or actually numerical data is becoming immaterial now. The text data, though, in my opinion, the qualitative data that you're either entering, that the system enters for you, that you get meaningful moments from your marketing automation system, we don't use that data to help us carve out that path of how people are actually buying from us. And what is the shortest path to get there, but still be authentic, still be meaningful, still create sales conversations that resonate instead of this, hi, it's Mary Lou. You got 15 minutes for an appointment next week? (laughs) Yeah. You know, shame on us for still using that. I was telling my class this morning, I have 500 LinkedIn requests sitting on my LinkedIn thing. And it used to be you could select them all and delete. You can't do that anymore. You have to like go through one by one. And so on a weekend, if I'm drinking coffee in the morning, I may go through them. And I will tell you, 80% are, hi, we have something in common. No, we don't. <laughs> you know? Or maybe we do, but how is that helping me? How is that serving me? Right? But if I had a little bit of deep learning underneath that and I took in my bio, I saw what was important to me. The system served up that conversation for me. Wow. I can still do the personalization, but I have a good baseline of Mary Lou Tyler and what makes her tick, what gets her excited, types of things that she likes to do, who she wants to hear from. But we don't leverage that at all. I have so many questions. I'd say advice to the group. If you're going to contact Mary Lou, read her book. (laughs) and then bring an insight from the book. I definitely did that. I read her book twice after looking for follow-ups for predictable revenue and wanting exactly answer the question, okay, now what? What is the process? So many questions here. So one, what was the last time you received some type of XDR message that blew you away with the level it was personalized? Or is the answer... Never. Like, when well, did this no, happen? It happened, as you all may or may not know, I have a three-year contract now with a company in Denmark. So I am on the, you know, on the ground like you are. I can't remember my title. It's so long. I can't even remember. <laughs> but I'm responsible for revenue generation and demand generation. So those two things. And we were interviewing for SDRs. So, you know, we put out the LinkedIn thing. We got a zillion resumes. I looked at them all and did nothing. And I was waiting to see who would reach out to me cold, right? Because my phone number is posted on my website. My calendar is posted on my website. And the ability to get a hold of me via email is all posted there. Less than 3%. Less than 3% of the people reach out to me. And I love to talk to everybody. But that's where we are right now. We're supposed to be filling in an application for an outbound conversation starter, and you can't even reach out to me. So one guy did, and we have been in contact. That's and, awesome. Yeah. 
And that's why I'm saying there's a huge opportunity out there, people. If you get back, follow up, and you follow up on purpose, then you're going to be successful, tool or no tool. But the tools really help manage, like, you know, time management. They help with those types of things. Like Mark used to say from outreach, those multiple spinning plates. Because if I got my IT people, and then I try to talk to marketing, and then I got my salespeople, these are all decision makers or direct influencers. I can't manage that and be a human and still meet my goal of working less than five hours a day to accomplish my revenue objectives. You know, so my personal goal means I've got to get smart with leveraging technology, but I also have to be me. I also have to be that person that, you know, you can contact. I will give you whatever information I have. I'm a teacher first and foremost. I'm a mentor as well. And so I think if we really focus on what is my role here, And if you wake up in the morning saying, who can I add value to today? How can I add that value? And why am I adding that value? Then you're going to be successful in this role with tools or without. Yeah, makes sense. That's that's one of the reasons I have such like a Zen setting here because I have the same goal you do, 80-20 rule. Like how can I spend the least time for the biggest output? Because ultimately I should have everything automated and I should just like sit here meditating while business is set (laughs) for me all day. It's never that simple. We can make it look that way. Do you think SDRs or XDRs, do you think this model will go away? There's someone, Justin Rothmarsh, who's been playing with like the money ball of what the title should be. There's so many predictions, like maybe by 2025, there'll be startups that can run like SDR, X Machina, like just kind of like automated sales development. It sounds like on this call, you're saying, take the time to get to know Mary Lou, to take the time to personalize and you'll cut through there's such an over-reliance on all this automation that people are forgetting the basics. Yeah, you know, and I think it really is relating to the market that you're in. The first, very first exercise I run all clients through and students is let's figure out here, are we selling to new or existing clients? Mm -hmm. And are we selling new or existing products? So you've got a quadrant now, four buckets to put stuff in. And then once you determine that percentage or that dollar value that you're trying to go for, Then you're going to look at the characteristics of the companies or households, if you're selling B2C, that make up those quadrants and which one's your dominant one. So you put percentages and you put numbers. That's going to start driving how you're going to leverage technology to drive conversation. It could very well be if you're selling a $99 product that everything you do should be focused to self-serve. Let them come inbound to you. If you're doing what I do now, which is relationship, relationship, because I'm working with scientists and pathologists who still, thank goodness for COVID. I know that's a terrible thing to say, but it forced them to not do the face-to-face thing. So they had to do business now via remote connection, Zoom or the other one. I can't remember the name of it. They had to do that. And gee whiz, now we can get three, four X revenue because we're not traveling on airplanes anymore. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's really focused on first, what is my market share, which would be new clients with new products, new clients with existing products. And what is my product share, which is existing with new and existing product. And then figure out, all right, who are the people? Who are the companies? Who are the households that make up this quadrant that I really want to focus prospecting in and does do those people lend itself to a self-serve environment 
You also have to overlay that with, am I trying to build a brand new sense of awareness to these people where there's going to be an educational front end to this? Or am I a commodity? Where am I on that spectrum? Because that's yeah. another thing that will drive your use of technology, your use of saying, set it and forget it, get a robot that can do all that. So the answer is it depends. But really being aware of the goals that you have for your market share and product share, understanding the people with whom you're going to be conducting business, and then getting a sense behaviorally of where they are on that level of awareness from none, not aware at all, clueless, as I like to call it, <laughs> to you know interested in evaluating, getting ready to buy, and then you're in a competitive situation. I love, I love the simplicity with which you organize the approach. What, like, who is building the most interesting technology right now? Who do you think is carrying XDR for? This isn't like play favorites where they have to be like the top of the list. It's kind of like asking someone who's your favorite band. I mean, when you're as close to the industry as myself yeah. or you, but like, what, what are some of the families of tech or some of the companies you're following? I mean, obviously, outreach is making a huge splash right now. Gong and chorus with conversational tech as a teacher and coach, yeah. you're probably plugged into that. I'm mm-hmm. curious what. It is exciting to you and who's kind of carrying it forward the way you might want to see it go? Well, none of them right now, really. But I think they, in the order of importance, I, I like deep learning. I like AI-based okay. software systems because it's, it's taking a lot of the guesswork at, out of the planning process because it's crunching a baseline. Now, like anything, you know, the company I work at now is working towards understanding at a deep level whether something is cancerous or not, right? So same thing with us, you know, we got a baseline, this we think is the right way, but if we can amp that up with artificial intelligence and deep learning to gather all these conversations and spit out a model for us, wow, that gives us the ability to then plan our sales conversation canvas, It allows us to look at the pipeline velocity. It allows us to understand who are those decision makers, direct and indirect influencers, and what metrics should I measure myself against? If we can get all that done with a tool ahead of time, that would be super. And then we need the follow-up engine, that rocket that we can pour our rocket fuel in and segment to our heart's content and then get these response rates up and get these open rates up because they're dismal now. I mean, I don't even look at the industry benchmarks anymore because my little place is so far above them that I can't even measure against the, the current industry standards, which means they're horrible and we need to work on improving those instead of what we're doing now. Make a difference. Try to just raise yourself out of the, you know, like I call the clutter bin and, and get to a point where you can resonate and get your word out there. And most importantly, your view, the perception is that you guys know what you're talking about. You're the industry leader. Everyone's following you. You're trusted. And I want to have a relationship with you. And more importantly, I want to refer my colleagues, my peers, my family to you because I trust that you will do for them what you've done for me. Well, that's kind of awesome, too, because I thought about fast forward two years and you're getting a thousand emails a day or a thousand invites a day and all this automation is, boy, we just get all the Mary Lou Tylers by using this, you know, deep learning AI. We're going to train it. It just goes out and it's, you know, hyper personalized. But I think about how I even finally got connected with you was through Tony Hughes, my mentor in Australia, and he made the referral. So I wonder about the, like the follow up. Yes. And then 
how do you programmatically do warm intros and referrals? Because the way that you actually know other people can't be faked by a machine. Like those connections are there. Like someone is in your cycling team with you or loves gardening and you're connected in some other group, right? Just interest graph, economic graph. You can't fake it. It's sincere. So how do we take deep learning to that? Can you explain more for the listeners what deep learning is from an AI perspective? Like I typically assume a level of knowledge, but you understand it more because you're dedicating your career to this rare cancer research and using deep learning AI. So deep learning AI for sales, does anyone have it? What is it? Like, can you educate us more? I think everybody right now, and I know someone will will call me up after this and say, you're wrong, Mary Lou, (laughs) which is cool. (laughs) But I think right now we're using AI as a data warehouse. Mm. We're summarizing information. So if you think of, you think of data analytics as, three areas, right? There's a descriptive area, there's the the area that's predictive in nature, and then there's this other area of like, okay, now that we are predicting, here's what we have prescriptively to get there. So I think we're doing that right now. We have the what's in the what was in the past, what's happening now. Then we say, where do we want to go in the future? And then we say, okay, here's what we got, what do we do with what we have? And deep learning though takes it to a deeper level. I mean, it's looking for relationships. You know, in my world, it's associating research with certain pathologists who one's in Baltimore, the other one's in New Zealand that are doing similar research. And it's able to connect that, oh my gosh, the slides that they're using have similar protein pattern to the ones in Baltimore. So I'm going to now you know, connect that dot that there's similar research going on there. So it's in the background, but it's always looking for relationships. It's always looking for things that are correlated. And I think that that is, and it's real time, you know, it's just boom, boom, boom. And it learns as it goes. So if it sees that pattern, it's going to store the pattern and then it's going to look like something else. And it's like, it's nearly close, but there's one little micro digit (laughs) off. So, you know, I don't know if that's because the protein of the cancer has split over to the other slide or if it's this on this slide, but it'll catalog things and classify things. You know, when you think about it, when you do a research paper, and I'm just getting into this now, but when you do a research paper, you're trying to codify the data, try to find correlation, try to find people who are talking about the same thing, try to understand how you can classify that and what's meaningful to people. The deep learning aspect of the sales conversation should take it to that same level so that your conversation, every time you have a conversation, you're teaching them something new. You're adding some new value to them, something that they didn't know. And you know, as well as I, that 10 touches to try to do that for people is very difficult with our brain. But if we can get these correlations in place and these stories in place, then we're going to have an easier time. Again, we have one hour. So we're going to multiply the results of that hour with technology like deep learning and maybe get 40 conversations out instead of one conversation every 20 minutes when we're doing this research by hand, trying to figure out how it all correlates. It's so fascinating because your science mind and engineering background, you know, I did an exploration for a few hundred hours about technology quotient. And so what I love is you're taking these vastly complicated concepts and you're making them simple, right? This is a a gift that I see in your communication style for how do you help your students embrace technology 
and learn this stuff and like dust off their tech stacks or <laughs> how do you help people change? I guess, you know, if the future is moving so fast, we need new skills that don't even exist now, but clearly yeah. we need the old skills of just, you know, yeah. caring and empathy. I don't know if you can give me a, a little extra time on this. You have a hard stop in a couple of minutes, but uh, this is a great question. It's, it's definitely mm-hmm. like a Pandora's box. <laughs> right, exactly. And, you know, I'm going to say to all of you now that the way that I teach my clients to be successful, and I have a very high success rate if they do the work, right? right? That's always the if. But what I do is I strip out all the technology to begin with. And I say, let's focus on our people. Who are we belly to belly with? Who are we trying to convince? Who are we trying to advance? Where are we relative position in the pipeline? Are we pre-conversation? Are we initial conversation? Are we continuing the conversation or are we following up? Okay, where are we? And where do we need to focus our efforts? So we look at the old data and we say, ah, we were stuck at the continuing conversation stage way too long for what you anticipate you need to get to goal. So we drill down there, we do everything manual, and we use frameworks to actually rebuild the conversation. And it's the story arc. It's, you know, the compel with content framework I have, which is five components. We put them in a spreadsheet. Every one of my students has had to do this. They hate me for it because there's (laughs) one part of it that just is like Neil Rackham regenerated. It's implication questioning. It's differentiation. It's all those painful things that we want to avoid because we just want to push more people and let them figure out why they should buy from us instead of us really knowing at a deep and meaningful level what results we get to people, what protection, what security, what advancement, what improvement, what increase. That's what we need to get to. That's the bulk of this framework is to really get them to slide down to the depths of life is not good, then come back with a contrast, but life could be really great for you. And then finally proving here's how we do it. Here's why we're different. Here's who loves us. And here's what I think your next step should be should you decide to continue this conversation. So I get him back to that, the basics. And then and only then, when we're starting to see ramp happen, do we start adding stack to the mix? Not I love simple. it. That's a great summary. So where can people find your latest and greatest work and connect with you? Or how should they be connecting with you? Because you've been prolific and you've put out a lot of great stuff. What you just described sounds like the Challenger commercial teaching pitch. And it sounds like you were doing that before with your content framework, right? You just described like a hero's journey almost from Jason. It is a hero's journey and I've stolen (laughs) it from the heroes. You know, my daughter's a screenplay writer, so I stole it from her. And I just synthesized it down to what's meaningful for us because our conversations, remember, are 280 words or less. They're billboard size. We're not building war and peace with our conversations. (laughs) Right. We need to take that framework and synthesize it to if we're on a billboard going down the freeway. We got to get our point across really quickly, get them to that next action. So I did take pieces from the hero's journey, 100%. Very cool. I think it's brilliant. History repeats. Um, Well, I would definitely go to Mary Lou Tyler, Mary Lou, all one word, right? Mary Lou. Yeah, MaryLouTyler.com. I'm on LinkedIn, but don't send me one of those LinkedIn messages. Or send a better one so it stands out. (laughs) Send me an um, interesting one. Yeah. And read predictable prospecting and predictable revenue. And uh, 
Look out for awesome stuff coming from uh, Mary Lou Tyler. You're uh, definitely a personal mentor of mine. I'm super honored to have you uh, on the show today. Yeah, we connected in Los Angeles. That was fun. That was great. So yeah, I'm really excited to see what you'll do next and how you'll crack the code next. And thanks again for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Take care. Talk soon.